Welcome to the Tokens Podcast. I'm Iris. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tokens, the parent company, Tokens Collectibles, LLC. I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm Jeff Allen. So nice to be here again. Hello to everybody. So happy to have you, Jeff. And we have a new guest. I am so excited to introduce Susan Payab, advisor to Tokens, but also a friend and a mentor, and a mentor to a number of young professionals in the licensing industry. Hello, Susan. Hi, Iris. Hi, Jeff. Um, it's great to be here. It's great to be part of Tokens. Um, so why don't I introduce myself and Please a little do. bit about um, the world of licensing that I live in. I have been in licensing for 45 years. Um, the entire time has been in children's licensed products, which includes apparel, which is playwear, t-shirts, sleepwear, outerwear, swimwear, anything really that a child would wear. Um, and when we speak about children, we're talking about kids that are from newborn, they're first born up until um, approximately 12, 13 years old. Um, that's the age of the child that generally fits in the children's size range. So that sounds like the clothing business. What does that have to do with licensing? Well, it actually has a lot to do with licensing. Um, about 30 years ago, licensing became a very important part of children's clothing. We, as um, the company I work for, we launched Winnie the Pooh back into the marketplace at that time. That really catapulted license to be so important in the children's apparel area that over the past 30 years, it is approximately 75% of the business in the United States um, for children's wear. Young kids love wearing the iconic brands and iconic characters that they watch and in ways interact with every single day. Um, the business is very different when you're talking about the babies versus the older kids. And we have to, we've always looked at that completely different, but licensing is very very important being such a large percentage of the business now. I'm assuming, Jeff, you can probably relate. I mean, what kind of licensed or branded shirts do your boys wear? I see now. Yeah. As opposed to just like buying the plain old white tee, they would much prefer to have, you know, something featuring one of their favorite characters. Uh, I could go on and, and they've, they've gone through different phases, right? They'll graduate from, a, you know, a, a baby shark to, uh, a, you know, something like Roblox, their favorite Roblox character or something like that. And, and they keep going up the chain until they start choosing for themselves. I, I suppose at first it's, it's appealing for, you know, mom and I to put them in whatever we want, you know, like the, the Kansas city chiefs onesie or something I might get on, on, one of my younger kids, but uh, it, it doesn't last long, right? Until they start having opinions of their own. And they yeah. start having opinions early. 
they, they yeah. do. Um, and that's, that's what I was um, kind of leaning into with, you know, how we handle it differently for the different age child. Um, when a child, from the time they're newborn until the child is, say, two years old, it's really the parent that's making the purchase, the parent, the grandparent, they're making the purchase. The child is really not influencing that purchase whatsoever. So we then market to the parents. We're thinking about the parents and what the parents are interested in. So it may not, for a newborn, it may not be the latest TV show. It could be something that they related to when they were a child. So you see all these retro properties coming back now. You know, you have Care Bears, Strawberry Shortcake, just, you know, thinking about, you know, Power Rangers is back. And not only is it back in the minds of the parents, but it's really come full circle because there's new content coming out on all of those properties that we would consider retro. Um, so how long would you say it took for the licensing industry to get to that 80% licensed apparel? I would say that it probably took about 10, 10 to 12 years okay. to capture that percentage of the market. It's been pretty stable for you know a good you know 18 years now with license playing that big of a role in the product that you will see out there. What, you know, we used to be just brick and mortar stores. Now you're talking about all different levels and platforms where you have the ability to purchase product. And then when would you say the nostalgic brand started to kick in? Is that more recent? That really has been a trend for at least five years now. And it started with the, with the rock bands. Um, the rock bands became very popular again, and they really became millennial purchases for their child. Um, so we're talking about Rolling Stones and Queen, um, Guns N' Roses, uh, Nirvana. Um, we sell it like crazy <laughs> because the parent is buying that. All the little right. onesies. As Jeff, you alluded to with the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe. Right. Um, that's, it, it, you know, it makes sense, right? Like individuality, it is such an important part of your choices as you present yourself to the world. You know, certainly what, what you're wearing on your body and, and what you're bringing with you in terms of, you know, when you're showing up at school with your lunchbox or your backpack things of that nature. They're all choices that mean something to the individual. You're making a statement about yourself and you're connecting on a deeper level with the brands that you identify with and love and cherish and want to show the world like, hey, where are my people at? You know, if you wear it on your shirt, your people can recognize you right away. And it, it helps to foster that sense of that tribe and community within. I think I know where you're going with this, Jeff, and that is <laughs> how we represent in ourselves in the physical world, right, is completely translatable to how we represent ourselves in the digital or the virtual world, right? You really and get I, I, you know what, I was picking up what you were putting down. And I, I can see why licensing will, will become uh, important, perhaps as important as it is to kids in peril uh, in Web3, right? In 
NFTs in the metaverse and how we digitally flex who we are, what we stand for, what we represent. And, and that was part of my reasoning behind asking, how long did it take us to get there? And when did nostalgia come into play? Because obviously nostalgia is a big, plays a big factor into a lot of the, uh, the NFT uh, collections and projects that have been crop, cropping up recently, the branded ones specifically. Right, right. Well, Web3 is definitely a hugely important part of the future in licensing um, for children. Now, we have to understand that children have an affinity for these characters, for these licenses. They almost feel as though they're real. Um, and taking it now to the next dimension, so to speak, and it really is like the next dimension when you're talking about Web3 and artificial intelligence and, you know, teaching kids about NFTs and cryptocurrency and blockchains. Um, I think that it is a, a dual learning experience for the family. It is not just about the children. It's about the parents as well. And you, everyone hears about it in the news every day. And it's something that will play an important role for licensing because licensing is such a big percentage of what the kids want and what the kids wear. And now it's going to transcend to Web3. So it's an honor for me to be part of the tokens experience because it is, it, a lot of people feel that it's scary not only um, parents of children, but brand owners and licensors, because you're always afraid of what you don't know. And what, I, I can't say I was most impressed with this, with the tokens concept, because what I was most impressed with is number one, concern and, and what needs to be done is making it a safe environment for children. Um, the second part of it is the fact that this is an experience that is a family experience. The parents need to be part of it in order to make it that safe environment for children. And the children can then continue in the Web3 environment to have fun with the characters that they love. And it will, they'll be safe. It's not as though they're playing around with something that, um, it, that adult doesn't even understand <laughs> because this, this is making it you know, very clear for them. But um, I've, I've thought from the very beginning that this is going to be as much of a learning experience for the parents, enabling them to understand this world that right now to them is a mystery. And as we launch, I believe that brand owners are going to now understand that this is truly a safe environment, the best way to introduce the children to NFTs, play to earn, learn to collect. Um, it's educational. It's, it's wonderful, a great way to introduce them. That's right. Thank you for the, all of that. We totally agree. Safety is 
paramount and most important thing. And, um, education too. Like that's why we're here. That's one of the reasons why we're, we're doing the podcast, right. To make sure we're keeping everybody informed, um, and up to speed and, and learn, you know, ed- educate people along the way as we learn new things, as this whole industry develops. And you mentioned something in there about the, the brands, the licensors, you have so much experience, uh, working with, you know, huge brands, um, you, you know, very well-known brands for, for many years, as you said, now I'm really curious in working with them, what is top of mind for them, for the brands, when they're working with another, a third party like Tokens, for instance, in, on a licensing agreement, what are the criteria that they're looking for in a, in a partner to ensure that their brand is going to be well represented and that this is going to be a, a good beneficial partnership? Well, I think the biggest concern that they have is that their IP is protected that what it is that we're doing with the IP will not be go out because again, I don't think there's a full understanding of web three and the metaverse. Um, There is a concern that their content and their IP will like go into the universe and be like open-ended for, for anyone. Um, It's them. It's us educating the brand owners and having them understand that all of the guardrails are put into place, um, that their IP is protected, that the child is protected. And I think that is the main concern. Their second concern, and I cannot rate which is more important than the other, but their second concern obviously is the safety for the children. Brand owners have, um, the studios have been around for very, Disney and Warner Brothers are celebrating their 100th anniversary in 2023. Um, So their main focus has been for children and making sure that they're providing children with safe content, always safety for children. So they want to make sure again and have that assurance that the child will be safe, that there's not going to be an outsider that's going to be able to um, get on tokens and speak to their children. But Iris, you know, I don't know if you want to say anything about, you know, some of the protection, the guardrails you have um, so that no one is very private. They're protected. Right, right. Yeah, it's. I think that this is one of the areas where we are not only aligned or like in lockstep with our brand partners that, you know, that the the safety of the families and of the kids is paramount, but also that we need to um, make sure that the kids and the IP is protected, right? And so whether or not there's an understanding of Web3 or the underlying blockchain technology or what exactly is the utility and benefit in it of an NFT, that's if it's, that's something that we can help educate our brand partners and our obviously our family is about, but to know that the safety is top of mind and the priority, to know that we've built in the parental controls that were COPA, KRU, GDPR, you know, all of those regula- regulatory um, bodies that ensure kids' safety and privacy, right? We're on the right side of that. 
And so that's where I feel like there's total alignment with the brand partnerships because we understand how important that is. Yes, yes. But it, it has taken us a little while to get that message across to the brand owners. Um, because right. they, yeah, they see a lot of uh, NFT um, collections, uh, different promotions happening in adults. And when they hear NFT for kids and tokens, they really need a thorough explanation on how different that is than the um, promotions that they see going on for adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really, I they're, they're one-off collections. Right. And, you know, what we're doing is so different, right? So many of the initial NFT projects and platforms out there have, because they're decentralized, there's a certain level of anonymity. Although, as as far as I know, some of them, I think all of the major projects out there, the the creators and and the founders have been doxxed meaning they've been outed. Their information is no longer anonymous, right? We know who the creators of the Board Ape Yacht Club are now. Like these, they've all come out. And I think that there's a certain level of insecurity that comes with this idea of decentralization and anonymization, right? There's a lot of incredible benefits to that. And Web3, we we have a, a somewhat of a Web2.5 approach where we do we are operating on these decentralized uh, technologies, but in a centralized way, right? Because we need to ensure the safety of the users as well as the you know the the IP and the brand partners. So we are fully you know we we I, I've taken a cue out of Naval Ravikant's playbook to say you know we're putting our name on it, right? Anything we do, we put our name on it. Everyone knows who's behind it. You know what, and hopefully to the best of our ability, they understand our intentions for what we do. Did you just come up with that web two dot five? Did you just make, did you hear that somewhere? Or is that like an Iris original right there? Did I just witness something? I, I would love to say I would love to mint that, but uh, I think two point five and like fidgetal, this <laughs> digital experience are like the lesser used. Uh, new technologies. Yeah, you said digital flex earlier too, and I like that one also. Your digital flex, gotta get your yeah, digital flex on. That's a good one. So, Susan, what do you do to ensure a, a huge brand that they're in good hands with you as a as a you know a licensed partner? In my apparel world, yeah. Asking? Okay. Um, most most of the relationships that I have are very long term relationships um, right now. Uh, but so you've built what, up some trust, I'm assuming. But but yeah. like you know, you ever you've got the clout. Susan's got clout these days. But like, what what would an average somebody trying to trying to assure um, you know a big brand that they're in good hands with you as a licensed partner? Like, what are the what are the things you need to come to the table with? I think one of the most important things is to stay true to what you promise. Um, make sure that you know everything lines up exactly the way you um, want it to be, the way you told them it would be. Um, your brand partners should be just that, partners. Um, there should be open communication all the time. And I think that over the course of time, really, time is what does it. Um, you just have to take the time to continue on with the relationship and prove to them that you're a worthy partner, you're true to your word. And you know, I, 
that's really the way um, most of my relationships started because it is, um, it all started by word of mouth. It's not like I was out there advertising, I want this brand, I want this brand, I want this. Once you're a solid, good partner, people know about it and they, they trust you. And then I, I say that word again, time. Over time, I have not changed. The way we conduct business has not changed. We are very true to our word. We're um, very ethical. And that is, that's so important. Um, to prove and show the license or partners. I wonder if the if the Web three like dog ear analogy extends into these licensing relationships, right? Because the people always talk about how we're so early and this is just you know day one of week one of month one of year one of what. That this new technology offers, and so you know we always joke when we're making when we're signing deals or you know creating new partnerships, like <clears throat> to talk about a year long partnership or a three year, year long. That's like we're talking like decades in the Web three world. Like, can we accelerate the brand relationships if we're dealing with Web three, or do you think that it's going to take kind of the same amount of time to really establish the rapport and the trust? for brands to get a little bit more adventurous in this new space. Mm-hmm. I think once brands get are, are launched with the launch, I think it's going to show other other brands that they should believe in it, that it's time. See the, the brand um, owners, they all have their own strategies. Some of them like to get in at the beginning of something. And others are like, no, I never want to be first. <laughs> so we have to respect the, the brand owners that don't ever want to be first. But my approach is always keep them informed so that when they see that it's time to step over that line and it's not too soon, that they will be part of tokens. Um, but, uh, you know, again, we have... Um, brand partners that have experienced NFTs in the adult world, believe in it, understand it better than others. And they've welcomed us with open arms. And then you have the, the new brand owners that are very tech savvy, understands it more. And they're also very open to this. I think it's more the traditional brand owners that have that more, let other people try it first. But I think that the relationships and the strength of the relationships can develop faster um, with tokens and the Web3 experience, because it is just that. It's, it is, as you said, it's a faster moving experience. And I think that it's going to be ever-changing and ever-advancing as we go along, which is going to keep the connection between tokens and the brand owners even more constant. My big takeaway is that you are essentially just reminding us that these brand owners, these IP creators, they're just people, right? They're people like our parents, 
like our families that will be dipping their toe into Web3 via the tokens experience or other experiences, right? There's the early adopters. There's the tech savvy who are going to tip in, you know, next. And then there's those who like to sit back and wait. And maybe they're waiting for just the right time to enter this space, which we think, I don't know if I can speak for all three of us, is kind of an inevitability, right? This is happening. So it's just kind of a matter, it's a matter of when, not not if. Right. Yeah, totally. So let's, let's unpack that a little bit. What would you say is the benefit to a brand to um, license their IP um, to a, a, like a clothing line, for instance? Like what does a brand stand to gain by doing that? Well, number one, it's a financial adventure. Um, number two, it is adding awareness of their IP to the general public. So if a child has, you know, they've always had the toys before it translated to the apparel world. So they can go out and they could, they could see it now on multiple platforms, see the content multiple, but I mean, up until recently, we didn't have YouTube and TikTok, and there's so many YouTube channels now. There, the kids can watch content 24/7 anywhere they are. <laughs> it was never like that before. So the the kids can um, watch the content. They can purchase the toys, but now. Toys have become like a whole different area. And I am not an expert in toys whatsoever. But the toys now are so much more about digital toys. So when you think about it, they're playing the digital games, which relate to the digital platforms, to Web3, to NFTs and um, the experience that they can have with, with that. So it's all, it is taking these steps from when you think about it, the, the hardline toys to the games to web three. <laughs> that's, that's the way I see it. So but, an evolution. So yeah. would you say, would you say that the benefits that a, a brand or IP owner gets from licensing their IP to say, let's say a clothing brand, you said, there's, it's a financial adventure. They're getting added brand awareness because, you know, us people are walking around with like living billboards on their, on their chests or on their lunchbox. So added brand awareness. Also the, the person that's purchasing the item gets that, you know, that another touch point with the brand that they love self-identity, you know, putting, putting that out, out in the world, uh, finding their community, would you say that those things are also translatable into licensing that IP into the digital world? I do, for the reason that it involves the family. So you were talking about, you know, the purchase, the person who's buying it. Yes. I, I think what it all comes down to is the family. And I think that ever since we um, experience this pandemic, the family unit has become stronger than ever. And we are now, I mean, I'll give you an example of it. Something that is a very, um, 
very wanted program at retail are family collections. So that um, for the first time ever, I need to speak to the brand owners about, okay, I don't have rights for adults, but this particular retailer wants to do a family swim program. So I need to be able to use um, Lose Clues. It's a retro property. The kids relate to it now. And I need to develop swim from kids to adults. So again, a family experience, the, the connection there. And if I could, you know, direct that back to tokens and one of the, the highlights of tokens as well is that it is a family experience. The parents involved, the child is involved. Look, first of all, love, love, lose clues. But second, this is so relevant to me because I'm thinking, yeah, probably one out of every five holiday cards I received last year had families in matching outfits, probably mostly PJs, right? But like, this is a, this is a thing. And the, the, the idea that this has also come out of the pandemic and us just being quarantined together is also really fascinating. But I, I, I see indications of this everywhere. And I like, I, I, I mean, I love to dress my girls in the same things, but you know, there's, I've seen more opportunities for me to get in on that. And so this is probably just another evolution in, in, in the licensing area. I think it's, there's so many different places I want to go with this, but you also mentioned, you went to, you mentioned poo, right? Winnie the poo and how revolutionary that was for kids licensing. And then Jeff was talking about us being walking billboards with what we like, what was, when did that become a thing? Like, I remember having my first Nike shirt, my first uh, Boingo. Do you remember that brand, Boingo? Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jeff's like, what? Uh, I had my first branded apparel. It was like, it said Boingo, Boingo, Boingo. <laughs> and I thought it was the coolest thing because my friends at school loved Boingo. And I was like, I got a Boingo shirt. And so I remember this like being becoming a real thing. And I don't know if that was just for me or if that was just in the licensing industry as a whole. Maybe what, like early 90s, would you say? Or like when did branded apparel, like wearing a brand on your chest become a thing? Yeah, I, I do. I was thinking 1990. Yeah, um, that that was the year that that came to my mind when all of a sudden that became so popular and it wasn't long after that that the the licensed um grew even more the 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 license the character licenses um and then once the character license started to increase then the studios could see that oh we need to develop a movie we need to develop a tv show we need to you know do get content out there and that's what started that the whole movie craze i mean when do you remember these movies like so many movie releases granted the pandemic shut that down for a while but i keep a movie landscape of 20 to 35 movies that relate to kids that come out every year 
And that's on the big screen. That's not saying the, you know, direct video and what they could see on Disney Plus now. <laughs> so there's just uh, so much content. So <clears throat> along that same thread, Iris, when do you think will be that tipping point for NFT uh, in, in terms of like, when it, when is it table stakes for every brand to have an NFT strategy? Because if you ignore it, you ignore it to your peril. Like, when is that mm -hmm. date? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think it's, I think it's, if it's not now, it's really soon, right? Because um, there are already brands and licensors who are active in the space. And we're already seeing a digitally, digital native IP becoming franchise, right? Going to television, going to theatrical, getting signed by CAA, getting signed by major Hollywood agencies, right? These digital native IP brands are are becoming traditional brands. And it's kind of a race between, you know, do those become traditional before the traditional brands become, you know, digital or, you know, progressive, become virtual, right? It's this interesting kind of mix of both of them going of them going both ways. And that's why I've also been thinking a lot about our branding mix, right? Our licensor mix. It's about, you know, does <clears throat> the, the digital native brands, they want to be right alongside the traditional brands because it brings all of that kind of legitimacy and, and um, recognizability in the industry. Whereas the more traditional brands find it to be very um, beneficial to be right next to the digital native brands that are hyper relevant to kids that are all over the places where they, they consume content, the YouTube kid platforms on TikTok, et cetera. Right. So I, I think thinking about that mix is really important because brands are positioning themselves kind of against each other, you know, not against each other, but how they, how they mix with each other, I think is important too, and how it's presented. But I think it's, I mean, I think it's now, right. The, the, whether they're, um, moving their legacy brands to the Web3 environment or whether they're launching new IP in this virtual environment. I think th that both of those companies and brands need to be doing both of those things and they need to be doing them now. Mm -hmm. I, I would agree that it's now that they need to get on board. Um, if I were to give my best guesstimate, I would think a year from now, we're going to be going full force that we're going to have a lot of the uncertainty behind us. Um, a lot will be proven by then. And I think it's going to be a different world. I don't think it's going to take that five years as we talked about earlier. Um, I do think a year from now, um, everyone is going to want to be involved. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Let's see if my crystal ball is working. <laughs> yeah. as, as it always does, time will tell. Yes. Time will tell. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and it's moving so quickly, right? So every, every day new projects are being announced, new platforms are being announced. Money is, you know, flooding into, um, into the uh, investors funds, right? To invest in web three. I think they call it, what is it? Dry powder. That they that they're just ready to be deployed and put into these companies that are bringing these new technologies to the fore. So, yeah, I mean, and we and we want to be there, right? Obviously, um, not only as a company but as a as just individuals, right? Seeing this as being the next the mm -hmm. next thing. Yeah, 
But I, I do think that all of the thoughtfulness that has gone into tokens and the development of tokens, that will all pay off um, when it is launched to the public. I think everyone will then see exactly what we've been talking to them about. <laughs> I love it. I think that we have a new title for a season, Chief Tokens Evangelist. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. I accept. She accepts. <laughs> Thank you. We'll get some business cards made up and shipped out to you, Susan, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. No, I just, uh, I have been so excited about this um, since meeting Iris and learning about this. And I just think that we're all ready for something new and something that we have confidence in and something that's going to make the children happy. And that is, you know, that's what we want to see. We want Amen. to see happy children. <laughs> yeah. Man, you know what? It, it really it really punched me in the face when you said that the pandemic m- made the family closer than it's been in a long time. I hadn't really thought about it, but man, is that has that been true personally for me? Uh, I would just going back and thinking like I'm, I'm sitting in my office in my home right now, you know, two years ago or two and a half years ago, I, I guess, whenever, whenever all this started, <laughs> I was gone for so much of the day. And with my oldest and my second oldest, uh, you know, I would just see them, you know, sporadically mornings and nights. Maybe I get to be a part of the bedtime routine. But since then, I've, I've been here. I've been here for everything. And it's certainly a lot more stressful. <laughs> it's certainly a lot more stressful for me personally, but oh my gosh, it has been so rewarding. And just like, th- you know, thinking back on that now, thank you for giving me like the cue to reflect on, uh, yes, my nuclear family here is so much closer since we've all been forced to be together in this time. So yeah, it, it's really nice to see that, um, that silver lining thinking back on what, you know, what has been an awful thing for so many it has also had its benefits. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yes. You probably find yourself playing games with them now. Um, all, all the time. Watching content that you never watched before. <laughs> so true. But in addition to that, I find myself when I'm getting stressed at work, you know, I now take a moment to go and like leave it behind and take 15, 20 minutes to go do something with my kids. And it's so rejuvenating and so fulfilling. And it breaks the day up in, in a way that, you know, I, I never really had that opportunity before. And I'm just very grateful for it now. Yes. Well, that's, that's really great. sweet. It's and yes. so true. I mean, we are from our the our family unit, the nuclear family unit, to people were having doing the pods thing where they would have their pod, right? Their the, their safe circle where mm-hmm. you know they interact. Yeah. It was kind of at its height, and um, the extra time that we've been able to put into those pe- people who are closest to us. It's just it's really, yeah, it's really 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 special. I, I had the same experience as you, Jeff, right? Um, long work hours, mm-hmm. you know, intense commutes, uh, you know, just taking, you know, three hours out of my day, like to get from point A to B. And that that's not the case anymore, right? And to be, be able to do that or to be able to have this time at home when our littles are, littles are little, 
right? Um, and to be able to um, have that extra time, the extra f- 15 minutes to and go, go engage with them. I imagine your boys are probably playing games. You can sit down and play with them or, you know, <laughs> a few moments to, to engage with that. I mean, I think it's really wonderful. And I've also taken a meet. So that, so what Susan shared with you, punched you in the face or hit you in the gut or whatever it was you said. But Susan's also inspired me immensely, not only as a professional, right, and as a mentor in terms of uh, licensing, um, but Susan, I hope you don't mind me sharing, talks to her children every day, every day. And it's, it's just, it strikes me as like the sweetest thing because, you know, children, Susan's children are grown and they're far away and, it's just, um, it's been, it was very inspiring to me and it, and it says so much to me about your character. Thank you. Yes. My, my children are 32 and 35. Um, I now have grandchildren, uh, but the, it's so heartwarming to me that I speak to my son and my daughter every day, just to know that they're okay. The family's okay. So even though our family unit is miles away, hundreds and thousands of miles away. Um, we don't feel like that. We feel we're very close. So the, the family unit continues. And let's, I hope that uh, you both have the same experience when your kids are older. Me too. <laughs> I'm going to go call my mother. <laughs> and I call my mother every day. <laughs> so the... Uh, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. (laughs) (laughs) On that super sweet note, Jeff, any other questions for Susan? Susan, anything that you didn't get a chance to share? Just want to make sure we get final words before we close out this episode of the Tokens Podcast. No, I, again, I'm very excited about the, the Tokens app and I am waiting for the launch um, so that everyone can see how exciting it is and how they should, all brand owners should be part of it. Love it. Couldn't have said it better. Thank you so much, Susan, for joining us today. Oh, thank, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah. Susan, it's so great to meet you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> And we hope that you, our listeners, enjoyed this episode of the Tokens Podcast. Again, my name is Iris Ichishta. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Tokens. I'm here with Jeff Allen and Susan Paya. And this ended up being a very heartwarming episode. I'm feeling, <laughs> I'm feeling very- <laughs> this is a heartwarming podcast, really. I get all the feels every time. And we hope that you felt it too. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to it. Please follow us on social media. And please uh, feel free to check out our website at tokens.com and uh, or on basically wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we hope that you find ours there. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonize your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. 
Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us. From renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Nature Back podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed. Electric acid.